Exceeding Expectations, episode 79. Today's episode, we're going to dispel a lot of the myths about sleep and about the macho attitude a lot of people seem to have about thinking they only need four or five hours sleep and then they can function properly. Well, our guest is Molly McLaughlin, who is a bit of an expert, and we're going to find out really about the importance of sleep and how it can really help you cognitively and physically and in many other ways as well. This is the podcast where we aim to give you ideas on how you can, usually it's about exceeding your customers' expectations. This week's episode is more about exceeding your own expectations because by getting better sleep, you can perform much better. So that's this week's episode of Exceeding Expectations. If you do like this, please share it with someone, especially anyone you know who doesn't get great sleep either because they just work too much or because maybe they've been caught insomnia or whatever the issue may be. They, they may find some of the uh, information interesting. And please do subscribe and leave a review and hope you enjoy this week's show. Exceeding expectations, my guest today is Molly McLaughlin. How are you, Molly? I am great. Thank you so much for having me here. No problem, really, as well, as we spoke before we started recording, I'm really looking forward to this episode. And you're, where, where is it you're, we find you right now? Oh, so right now, my my boyfriend and I travel full-time, so we've been traveling for the last three years. And uh, so we had been largely in Southeast Asia, but now we are back in the States, and we're uh, going back and forth between New York, and right now we're in Vegas, because we're doing mm-hmm. some trainings out here. Okay, and where is it you're actually from? Uh, well, I was really born in Maine and then, but I've been in New York for about a little over a decade. Right. Okay. And you're, um, somewhat of an expert on sleep, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Which came all from really scratching my own itch around the fact that I was for many, many years, not the best sleeper. I didn't think it was much of a problem until I went through my own period of insomnia, Um, And with that, it really had me confront what wasn't working around my sleep. Um, And it was a real kind of draw a line in the sand moment around my life of what what I could stand for, what what um, what I needed to bring in to make a difference for, you know, not only my sleep, but my health and well-being and found that um, by going kind of deep down the rabbit hole around circadian rhythm, optimization, uh, chronobiology and understanding you know, really how I was running my life was really confusing my body on a, on a cellular level and how to kind of bring things back into a level of homeostasis and just became so obsessed with this topic that I started working with other people um, on it that were struggling with their sleep purely from an empathetic standpoint of knowing how challenging that can be when you're just, you know, night after night laying there and just having such difficulty and or, you know, waking up each day and dragging. So it began sort of organically and then it built into this whole company, Sleep is a Skill. Mm. And, but it's a, a lot of people go through the issues that you mentioned, but don't find out, they'll never do find out the importance of sleep. What was yeah. it that actually helped you to realize that there was a lot more going on than you, than you weren't aware of? Well, so mine really came out of my own sense of fear around this, what was going to be next for me with this problem with my sleep, because this happened actually in the very beginning while we're traveling. Um, and we were in Europe at the time and, uh, ended up 
we'd hopped from, um, we were over in Croatia when the worst of it was. And I went to the doctors there and brought Google translate, you know, cause you know, the doctors I went to wasn't even speaking English and they gave me, um, basically their version of Ambien. And it was this wake up call moment for me of this can't be my life. You know, this can't be the, the direction that I'm going to go that I'm going to have to take something, uh, to be able to fall asleep. And so, so I was very scared about that because, you know, and it, these things often don't come out of a vacuum. I was, you know, really stressed out, um, you know, kind of entrepreneur burning the candle at both ends. And that's, you know, kind of what led to this, this period in my life. But, um, so from that place, it was like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. <laughs> it was really yeah. how it was occurring for me. So I went deep and I actually ended up doing so many things that didn't work. Um, you know, mm-hmm. went down the rabbit hole and tried, I learned something with every, and every one of them, you know, would try hypnosis, would try this supplement, would try, you know, this breathing practice, would try this, this is, you know, all the things. Um, mm-hmm. and what I ended up discovering was that, you know, while there were benefits to some of them, some of them just weren't, um, they're in a different field, a different category mm-hmm. of what would really move the needle. And mm-hmm. what I became really fascinated with was this whole concept of circadian rhythm entrainment. Um, mm-hmm. And what that's looking at is just how how to strengthen our circadian rhythm and how many of us in our modern society uh, really have a weakened circadian rhythm where it's not as robust as Arguably, it would have been thousands of years ago during hunter-gatherer days when we were so linked up with the rhythms of nature, sunrise and sunset. I mean, I was coming from a time of basically going to bed as the sun was rising pretty much for so many years. And, you know, it just by living like that, what that was doing to my health and well-being. So when discovering, you know, that there's this whole kind of framework of things that can make a difference with your circadian rhythm, um, that was totally fascinating to me. And in order to bring those things in, you really have to change your days. And that was my experience. So, um, you know, we can get into more of the specifics, but, you know, some of these things have you live life very differently than the average, um, the average person in an urban environment. So it was so interesting and it changed, you know, the course of my life. So with that, it, I couldn't stop talking about it basically. <laughs> and, and I'm just wondering when, when you were describing some of the, the insomnia and so on. So often it seems to me a lot of people fall into one of two camps. There's one camp where it's just pure insomnia. And even though they may be in actually in bed for a long time, they just can't sleep for various reasons. And then there's the other macho camp who I only need four hours of sleep. I'm fine. I don't need and people who talk about you need seven. That's rubbish. And, and so on. Was it one of those two for you? Yeah. So for me, it was, um, mine kind of came about because I was also adding jet lag into the mix, which I had never really traveled a whole heck of a lot before this period of my life. Um, Mm. so by throwing, not only was I living off of the kind of normal rhythms of nature by myself, just based on how I was organizing my days for so many years. Mm. Then when I started throwing in the jet lag into it with this level of stress and anxiety, Um, it was just this extended period that it, it really lasted. It was about three months was the worst of it. Um, where, you know, it would just be real stretches of like multiple, multiple days in a row of very, very little sleep. And it was very hard. And, you know, it, um, when you're, when you're running on that kind of level of sleep deprivation, you like, 
life just doesn't really work. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't work. And, um, you know, the, the, we can get into the weeds too. Um, or maybe that's like a part two, but you know, some of the, the impact that that has on both your physiology and your mm-hmm. psychology is really profound. Um, and you know, so my levels of anxiety that were already heightened even went up during that period of, and I think many of us can relate to this, you know, when we just had a string of nights in a row where we just didn't get the best sleep, you know, even if you're not as dramatic of a case as mine was, but you know, just like you've been really run down and, uh, or your new parent or what have you. And during those periods, often things that occur in our life that wouldn't have been that big of a deal are amplified. Um, Mm. And so that's really what we see with a lot of people. So a lot of people that come to sleep as a skill, they are at their wits end because they're no longer being able to manage um, their sleep in a way that's working for them. And then just life, the life management is not working because they're so exhausted and stressed. Um, Mm. So when when you started making those changes and, you know, at first they weren't really working, what what was it that really started working and and what changed them within you when, when those things started to work? Well, I think for me, um, you know, so I was actually at this point uh, where I was dealing with more almost sleep anxiety, where I was so, I'd had so many nights in a row where I just wasn't sleeping that I began to link up the nights with, with anxious thoughts, you know, or just like, uh, oh my God, I can't face another night of just laying there again. And, and so I was really starting to, um, and one of the things that we're really trying to cultivate for getting great sleep is being mindful of those kind of hormonal shifts. So, um, you know, traditionally cortisol will rise in the morning hours and then, um, you know, help, which is really important and help bring you through the day and give you all the energy that you need. And then it will start to subside in the evening and then it will shift over to this melatonin production. And unfortunately my, um, you know, that system was all out of whack for me and the cortisol elements would be rising in the evening. So I would, Mm. you know, certainly doesn't set up an environment for great sleep when you are Mm. getting very stressed um, to go to bed, you know, because certainly sleep is a, is a process that involves that parasympathetic response and that ability to calm our bodies and, and know that it's okay and that you're safe and, and all of that. Um, Mm. So for me, it was, it was first dealing with that sleep anxiety. Um, and then, so what that really took was by taking the pressure off of the nights, um, and instead looking at this element of circadian, uh, rhythm optimization, which really involves the days that suddenly shifted the pressure for me around, okay, I got to get the nights right. And, uh, you know, I have to do all these particular things. You know, you'll see articles out there that are like sleep hygiene and the top 10 tips and all this, um, which are wonderful. And um, for me, it wasn't doing the trick because it was all often very evening focused. And um, so instead, by shifting the attention to really also handling the things that aren't working in your life during the days, um, so taking care of those worries during the daylight hours, but also um, you know, a lot of physiological elements where you're getting yourself outside is one of the top, uh, things that will make a difference for your circadian rhythm is light and, um, really a strong relationship to light. So getting outside first thing in the morning and getting sunlight, um, you know, basically within your eyes first thing in the morning, why that's important. It sounds 
you know, strange for a lot of people, but what's uh, the connection between that is that your eyes, the optic nerve is connected to your suprachiasmatic nucleus. And what that is, is just a long word for your master clock um, within your body. And that's the thing that helps keep everything running um, kind of like clockwork. And mm-hmm. it communicates with all of the other little clocks within our cells throughout our whole body. And they're looking to stay on time and, you know, they're looking for cues and that light Mm -hmm. is one cue. Um, So that actually had me getting outside more. It had me like, you know, moving my body, getting, um, you know, back onto the rhythms of nature. And I became just so cognizant of both when the sun rose and then as the sun was setting, because those are two key times that help, um, you know, as signals for the body to know one is it time to suppress melatonin in the morning? And the, mm-hmm. for hunter-gatherer periods for thousands of years, that's kind of what that served as. And then two, mm-hmm. when the sun would set, then that would be another cue that, okay, so we can begin to have, um, you know, this production of cortisol and then be slowly beginning to shift over to melatonin, you know, the hormone of darkness, basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just even that light, that's one element of it. And that's what I started to bring in. But then there's also temperature, there's movement timing, there's meal timing, there's thought timing, there's all kinds of things um, mm. that it, by shifting that over to really changing my life from that perspective gave me a whole different access point to then being able to kind of loosen the, um, the Chinese finger trap that I had going on with my sleep of like trying to force it. And mm. suddenly by, you know, kind of letting that pressure off, you know, you can remove your fingers from the Chinese finger trap. Um, mm. And it really was a game changer for me. So when, when you started making those changes and things started working and I guess you just started feeling so much better and yes. was it a case you just never felt so good or what was it? Yeah. So when that started, cause you know, I had had this whole image of what life is going to be like, Oh, we're off traveling. It's going to be so amazing. And then when it didn't go that way, um, mm. you know, there was a real concern for me of like, am I going to be the type of person that can even travel? Am I going to need to, you know, am I going to have so many rules and things around, you know, how to maintain health and well being, And that just didn't align with the identity of the person that I wanted to become. So I really wanted to bring about, um, you know, great health and well-being, but also not be dependent on a bunch of, you know, things along the way, whether it's, you know, um, supplements, these gadgets or gizmos or any of that stuff. Mm. Um, so, so what I ended up doing was, you know, going deep on this. And then when I started to have the experience of, oh my God, okay, I can sleep again. Like this is miraculous. It sounds so crazy, but it, that's really how it felt. And it felt like, Oh my, what the life that I want to create, I can actually do again. And so it felt very like a, like, oh, you know, the clouds parting moment, um, Mm. by, by being able to restore that balance and Mm. it certainly didn't happen overnight, but when it, as it slowly started coming, um, back and kind of regaining that connection to, you know, just a normal sleep pattern, um, Mm. that was phenomenal. And then I got to take it to the next level and then I got to bring in all of these, um, you know, sleep trackers and, you know, then test out some of these things that could make a difference. Um, I don't, you know, I really advocate not being, um, attached to any of these things, you know, whether it's like, uh, red lights or, you know, supplements or any of these, you know, sort of things that we can bring in. Um, Mm -hmm. however, I think it can be powerful to, 
experiment and see what can make a difference. And certainly the awareness by bringing, um, basically every client I work with, I have them have, you know, some sort of sleep tracker and, Mm. you know, with bringing that in, that made such a difference for me to, you know, I, when I sleep, I'm like covered in so many different types of trackers. It's very funny. And, um, but by bringing in that level of kind of biofeedback, I began to know the things that would make a difference with my sleep and what it ended up feeling like is now on the other side of this is I have this experience where my sleep is so count onable, where I know that I can wake up with, you know, um, great HRV. Usually I can wake up with, you know, which is just a sign, um, heart rate variability. Uh, and I can wake up pretty reliably with fantastic, you know, sleep scores, which the old me would have had no clue how to do. Um, Mm. and so it feels as if there's some sort of just like you've figured something out that so many people, um, unfortunately aren't, you know, in the conversation of, and then, and you see the difference, you know, like Mm. just, but so for me, it's now becoming addicted to feeling that, um, level of energy on a regular basis. And Mm. it's just been really kind of life-changing and to get to see other clients that have the same experience, um, I think it's a really exciting time because then this can start to cultivate an intention to what if we were to all do these, some of these things that could make a difference. And then all of us as a society to wake up feeling fantastic, you know, which really how it was designed on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. How could, you know, life look from that perspective? And I think one of the main reasons, um, you know, again, we, we spoke about this before we started recording. One of the main reasons I invited you onto the show is because I think a lot of people have their expectations of their sleep, of their health. They just don't expect to have a good night's sleep. And, it, and, and I just think it's normal to wake up not feeling great and having to have lots of coffee in order to just function. Yeah. And, and that's not an expectation that should be, that should be normal. And, and I think we very much can exceed our, our own expectations in many ways. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because I think some of the information you're going to give here will certainly help people in so many ways if they t- sort of take heed and listen to some of the some of the things you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, even what you're pointing to with coffee and, you know, I love because uh, your audience is looking to do big things. And, you know, I so get it. Coffee is like one of my favorite, um, you know, elements of my day. And yet it's something that we really even want to be cognizant of. There's something called um, chronopharmacology. And it's looking at how the it's really the science of time as it relates to, you know, any type of drug really that we're bringing into our body. And Mm. you can even put coffee in very much into that category. And coffee really does have an impact depending on, you know, the timing and dosage that you are bringing in and it impacts levels of adenosine in your brain, which relates to your body's ability to feel that um, regular sleep pressure that we're designed to have in the evenings. And Mm. coffee has the ability very well um, to repress those adenosine receptors and to make you feel like you are more awake than you really actually are. Um, Mm. So even things on, on that level can be game changers for people as they start to experiment more and just take seriously more, um, you know, all the behaviors that we're engaging in from the lens of how is this impacting my sleep? One of 
arguably the most important things that we do each day to maintain our health and well-being. So at the moment, how is it that you help people? Is it on a one-to-one coaching basis? Is it sort of speaking from stage? What is it that you do? So um, I have, so with Sleep is a Skill, we have one-on-ones, small groups, and now we're launching um, an online training course, which is, you know, more interactive. So we bring in uh, basically different sleep bots. So each morning people will debrief how their sleep went from the night before, and then also be setting up their days powerfully from perspective of all of these um, uh, practices or principles that we're bringing in around circadian rhythm optimization. So they're setting up from this vantage point of how to get great sleep, but by setting the stage more um, to allow sleep to come more naturally versus trying to force it or just thinking about it in the evenings. So, um, so we do that. And then we also are launching a podcast. um, So to then further educate on, you know, some of these topics that often people aren't even cognizant that could be making a difference with their sleep and can end up being such a game changer. Um, Mm. And then also working to develop some um, products for, uh, the consumer level around, uh, particularly around red lights, one of the things we're focusing on right now, um, mm-hmm. because light is one of the main factors in circadian rhythm um, optimization. So this red light element, uh, I, I really foresee as being a big game changer, uh, you know, going forward into the future that more and more households will bring this in to be able to, you know, it's totally not deviate because we're not looking for people to you know, go to bed, obviously, as the sun sets, you know, it's a little unrealistic, but then how to extend our days, which is really what we've started doing post-Edison, um, how can we extend our days but not impact the levels of melatonin that we're producing each night and then, you know, consequently, which many people we've all unknowingly done in a lot of ways for many, many years, and then kind of suffering the consequences of feeling, you know, not as rested or rejuvenated the next morning. Well, for people listening who may be not so well-versed in all of this and they're not really sure what melatonin is and they're not really sure what you're talking about when you're referring to red light, do you want yeah. to just sort of go a bit deeper explain about that? Sure, yeah. Um, so melatonin is kind of known as the hormone of darkness, which res- basically regulates our sleep-wake cycles. And, um, you know, it's something that that's a big focus that we're looking at with the circadian rhythm entrainment is – how to naturally produce levels of melatonin um, ourselves and reliably at particular times each night. Um, so, you know, you'll, it's likely that people have begun to see over the past few years melatonin supplements um, mm. out and about, and which is great in that it's raising the awareness around this really important hormone, but it's also a hormone. And, you know, so there are, it's, it is beginning to raise some questions of, have we been a little too, you know, loosey goosey with just kind of taking this external element of and giving it to kids and, you know, um, whereas could we instead set up life in a way where we are reliably kind of like when you were younger and, you know, you would get tired at a particular time each night and just sort of like, you know, raise your hands over your head and yawn. And that's just kind of what you did. Um, and you go up to bed at the round the same time every night that's really what we're looking to do with adults and um, to bring in those levels of consistency, but also external cues to help guide that process. And red light is another one of those um, external cues that we can bring in. Why red light is so powerful is um, kind of a longer conversation, but the 
short takeaway of it is that um, every within full spectrum light from the sun, you you'll get elements of blue light, but it's always coupled with red light. So that red light, you want to make sure that you're being cognizant of um, if you are having blue light, that it's always paired with that red light. Um, because that's how you'd always have gotten it in nature. And it's more of a healing um, light property. And it has infrared elements in it. And it, so it can be actually helpful with pain. Um, you know, it's, it's a common practice too within doctor's offices, like I have psoriasis, right? And so growing, you know, for years, I would get red light therapy and had no idea that it was connected with sleep, but it was, you know, part of it fell in the domain of phototherapy. Um, so, so utilizing this, can be really great for also pain management. A lot of people I work with have difficulties managing their pain because it actually, they, their experience is that it seems to get worse or they notice it more at night and that can keep them awake. Um, so bringing this in can make a difference. But also just, you know, for living a life in the 21st century where no longer does in the past when the sun would set, you know, it was kind of party over for a long time, for many thousands of years. That's just how mm. it was because maybe beyond like a bonfire or something, you were mm. shortly thereafter going to bed. Um, mm. But now we've extended um, the process artificially by bringing in faux light. And so red light can be a cool way to then to still be able to do things, you know, still whatever. If you want to watch Game of Thrones or something, great. And you can do that. But um, now you're being kind of doused in red light versus all of this, um, blue and elements of green light. And those things can really throw off melatonin production. And we can measure the difference, um, in our, you know, sleep trackers and what have you, and see what that does to, you know, on a regular basis, um, to your sleep quality. Hmm. And for people who are listening and thinking, well, how do I put on a red light every night? So what, what are your common tips that you give to people? Yeah. So, um, so basically with the, with the red light, you're, and you could also do, um, you know, you can do candlelight too, which is, but it seems to be a harder sell for people. Um, mm. you know, so cause candlelight is a low kind of lux, um, off put and it has, it's more coupled with red light. Um, mm. you could, if you're really just like, listen, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing any of these things. Um, mm. then on the, the next, um, option for you could be incandescent lights, which are kind of like those old Edison bulbs. Um, and those have a bit more percentage of red light in them. And so, and that's kind of also, there's a big theory that it's, it, there's a, there's a question of, is it interesting? Isn't it interesting that our, um, sleep deprivation rates have really, you know, exponentially rose after we kind of shifted over to these more LED based, uh, lights mm. as a, you know, on a global, uh, society that mm. these, there seems to be a correlation. And then of course, with all the smart tech and what have you, and all the blue light that comes out of there. Um, mm. so basically you get really skilled in what types of lights that you're putting around you. So you could go straight to the red lights. Um, and you know, some people even do Phillips, you know, hues, um, because they can, you know, even from their phone, change the color, um, mm. or you could just, you know, go on Amazon or what have you and get some of these just basic red lights. And it, mm. it's, I really challenge people to do that because you feel the difference when that is on. And, you know, when I'll have people come over to our place and put on, you know, red lights and what have you, 
it's like some of the feedback is, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm so tired right now. It will be like, <laughs> you know, whatever, 930 or something. And it's hysterical because that's really how it was designed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, because it was night and it was time to, to be tired. And we've just deviated from that a bit. I mean, I have a, I think it's called a smart bulb and it's got a little remote control and I can just change the color of, of the bulb or, you know, whenever I want to. Oh, yes, just, totally. Yep. Absolutely. I just, I just have that in my bedroom and in the sort of living room. And then the last couple of hours before I'm going to bed, I just change it to a red light. Yes, exactly. You can really automate this process. Um, and, you know, I think that's what we're going to see more of, to be honest, in the future. I think a lot of um, there's this whole emerging industry of building biology. And in, in that, it's looking to have your environment support your biology. And I think a lot of it is going to point to how to align with your circadian rhythm. And that has to do with temperature, too. Temperature mm-hmm. below light, that's one of the second big uh, impactors for our circadian rhythm. And so mm-hmm. having a, a home that automatically uh, lowers the temperature in the evening, which is really how things would have been before we kind of all became like zoo animals and inside all the time, um, you know, in the past we'd be outside and the sun would go down and it'd get cold and that would be a cue to your body that it's time to go to bed. And then when you'd be waking, the sun would be coming up and the whole earth would be, you know, the earth around you and your vicinity would be warming up. So that was another sign to get up and to be active and to do all the things that you need to do in the day. So that's another element in our building biology that we can, um, you know, turn up our, our thermostat during the days. And then that would kind of mimic how things were because we forget that our bodies are still really, this is very new, um, you know, the span of uh, the amount of times that, you know, humans have been on this earth to be living like this is very odd. So we want to try to bring things back to how it was as much as we can. Mm. And I think a lot of people do tend to have their bedrooms way too warm and they don't realize sure. that. Sure. Yes. Oh my God. And then when they get some of these sleep trackers and then they see the difference that it can make um, in their sleep, you know, quality and quantity when they just lower the temperature a bit. I mean, even that can be such a game changer as you compound that over, you know, 30, 65 nights, you know, a year or what have you. It's just, it's a different life. Mm. And one of the things you mentioned about 10 minutes ago, so you were talking about HRV for Yes. Anyone maybe not familiar with that term, do you want to explain what HRV is? Sure, yeah. HRV is uh, heart rate variability, and it's a really fascinating marker uh, or, you know, kind of biometric uh, indicator of how your nervous system is uh, functioning. And it's basically the beats between um, between the heart, your heart rate. So it's very much related to your heart rate numbers. Um, so you actually, it's it's very confusing uh, metric. And so it takes, you know, that can be its own podcast really, but um, essentially oddly you kind of want to cultivate a dynamic and kind of wild looking um, set of numbers because that's kind of pointing to your body's ability to dynamically and quickly, um, you know, kind of deal with things that are coming up. So for instance, things that can impact HRV are as much as, you know, stress um, can impact it. Um, but also to the types of food that you're having, the environment that you're in, um, the air quality, you know, just the amount of, uh, workouts that you're doing. It's a really kind of temperamental, um, mm. metric, but it can be so eye-opening. And then you can really get a great sense of, um, how often you're kind of hanging out in this fight or flight 
response. Um, mm. And, and if you know, some of the things that you are behaviorally partaking in, are they serving you? Um, mm. So, and you have to get really kind of versed in this because, you know, great athletes will, this has been, um, you know, for in the elite athlete realm, they've been using, utilizing HRV for much longer than the average population. And mm. so they also know that they can stress some of their numbers and they can tank them a bit, you know, bring them down, um, mm. which is in for HRV typically tends to be a bit more of, you know, a sign that you need to recover a bit. Um, mm. And they'll do that strategically by really exerting themselves by, you know, strong workouts. And then, but they'll build in the time to recover properly to bring that mm. number back up. And, and, that's, um, and that's so important in yeah. recovery, isn't it? That's the thing. And that's one of the things I think is so powerful about um, some of these different kind of biofeedback elements is that often I think so many of us are so disconnected and not tuned into our bodies in a way where we're maybe being able to read um, when we're just so worn out and this kind of burnout culture that so many people talk about. Whereas when you have some of these external measurements, you're, it's like telling you, it's hitting you over the head with these numbers that, I mean, listen, you need like a, a chill day. You got to bring it back, you know, maybe do some nice recovery, maybe a nice warm bath, maybe you know, some of these things that you might seem like, oh, come on. But when you see those numbers, that's why athletes take recovery so seriously, because then they know that they can't do the big things that they want to do. Um, you know, the next day or what have you, if you don't take that time. Um, and I think as, you know, particularly with your audience and people that are, you know, just have big goals, you know, we can often forget this really important element. Mm. And it's such a good indication of when you may be uh, sickness that may be coming on yes. its way or, you know, when you should just totally not do anything because you're probably going to overexert yourself if you do. Yes. A hundred and yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's such a big call out and it can be fascinating how you, not only will your heart rate variability numbers, um, you know, pretty much tank, but your mm. heart rate will often go up when you're getting sick. Uh, your body mm. temperature will often go up and respiratory mm. rate can change from its deviate, can deviate a bit. So you can really get a sense from some of these trackers of where you're at um, and then do all the work that you need to do to bring things back um, to a level of homeostasis. So what, what sort of trackers do you, have you been working with with your clients? So for me, I actually have everyone, um, usually start with the aura ring spelled o-u-a-r um mm-hmm. i found that one to be particularly uh tailored just to um to sleep and then because it has those different metrics they have they do a great job with their um their apps to be able to show kind of trends and then if you're really kind of getting off course also on my end i get to have like an espn readout pretty much of what um, you know, my different clients where their sleep is at. And then I get to see if it's uh, really kind of going off track and mm. then we can help kind of course correct faster. Or if they're doing fantastic, then we get to kind of celebrate and, you mm. know, encourage that behavior. Cause a lot of this is behavioral change elements and we're looking to change a lot of behaviors, um, you know, which takes time and can take, you know, you want to also uh, notice when things are going well and, you know, applaud ourselves for that. Mm. What would you say are the, what's the, what's the most common problem people have when it comes to sleeping? Um, that's a great question. Um, 
So one of the most common problems that the, of the people that are coming my way is often the sense of like, I can't turn off my brain. Um, I got so many things coming up or realm of like anticipatory anxiety of, you know, it, it can be great things too. That's the other weird thing about it. Like it can be opportunities and you got this promotion and now people expect things of you or whatever. Um, and you know, just all the, that forever unending kind of to-do list of the following day, um, this kind of inability to stop the swirling of, or the rumination or kind of playing back how the day went today and planning for tomorrow. Um, and, you know, real difficulty of how to interrupt that. Hmm. And so to sort of calm down and so on, do you, do you um, encourage meditation? Do you advise meditation or anything like that? Oh yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, things that we go through to help guide the body back to, um, you know, true levels of relaxation. Also just reminding ourselves that we do have the ability to, um, shift over into that parasympathetic state. And, um, but what a lot of it that we do is also have people deal with some of the things that they haven't dealt with, um, during the day that is impacting their, um, kind of sense of calm and kind of training the brain that we're not the type of person that's just leaving, um, you know, our life to, to be thought about thoughtfully at night in the bedroom, you know, instead we actually are carving out certain uh, blocks in the daytime to deal with some of these things strategically that have been keeping us awake persistently. Um, you know, so then we start to, you know, re re um, align our connection with, with our selves so that we know that we're someone that will handle these things and we can get them out of our brain. And we do different things, whether it's, um, like audio transcriptions, you can use products like otter.ai or, you know, different things where you just speak out what's in your head and get mm -hmm. it out and it will auto transcribe it. And then, you know, it's kind of like by taking even that one action, it's training yourself to know that you're not just going to sit in the, um, in the, in the upset of it. Mm. Some people are under the misconception that they think, oh, well, I've, I get seven hours sleep and yet I still feel bad in the morning and I get to, you don't understand the difference between quantity and quality of sleep. Right. Yes, absolutely. There's a big, big difference there. Um, yeah. And, you know, so what's one of the things that we're looking to cultivate is to get that sleep quality that is rare in these, in this day and age. Hmm. So what, what, do you think typically, if someone is waking up most mornings and they feel they've had a, a, a good sufficient number of hours of sleep, but they're still feeling bad, what what would you suggest they do? Um, so as far as that, I mean, it's a whole protocol, really. So we're looking to bring about um, kind of realigning our, our bodily hormones, so bringing about, um, you know, the ability to ensure that our melatonin levels are at the right levels that we're looking to bring about at consistent times. This level of consistency is so important. Um, you know, getting connected to, to light management, getting connected to temperature management, meal timing, even um, ensuring that our meals are during particular days. People are shocked at the difference that can make in your sleep quality. Um, you know, bringing about heat therapy, uh, cold therapy, all of those things. Uh, just can really, really transform you know, the quality of your sleep. And it takes time, but when you're committed, it can be a game changer. Hmm. What is, um, if for people who may be not familiar with the phrase social jet lag, do you want to tell them what that's all about? 
Sure. Yes. Uh, so social jet lag is essentially something that we've all kind of created for ourselves, um, where we are deviating off of our standard, uh, you know, sleep pattern. So maybe say five days a week, you are, uh, going to bed at whatever, 9 PM, but then the weekend rolls around and you start going to bed, at you know, one o'clock in the morning, what you've done is created for yourself, your own self-created jet lag. And so with that, then you're spending a lot of your future days trying to realign that. And that also creates metabolic jet lag because now you're eating at different times too. Um, and you have little clocks basically even within your digestive system that are getting confused on what time it is when we do this. So it becomes really problematic. If, what, what, does the, um, what does the phrase exceeding expectations mean to you, Molly? So I think that that is a wonderful um, – way of kind of even or a lens to look at life with. And so for me, exceeding expectations is about, you know, kind of no limit living, um, you know, kind of taking things up um, to the unexpected. And, you know, I think that sleep is one of the best means by which to do that. And because right now, if you're someone that can manage your sleep at this kind of extraordinary level, you are primed to be able to exceed expectations reliably and take on your day in a way that's rare now. Hmm. If people wanted to find out more about you and how you can maybe help them, where, where would they go to? Yes. So they would go to sleepisaskill.com. We have our um, podcast launching. We have a weekly newsletter called Bali's Monday Obsession. So every Monday I'll share all the things I'm obsessing about in the world of sleep and we will you know, take it from there. It's really a cool ride. And do you have a, a quote or a book that you recommend? Yes, um, I do. So my quote is, how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this just rings so true. And then the book that I recommend is called The Circadian Code. I think it's a great place to start to get connected to um, really how shifting from this into this paradigm of circadian rhythm optimization can really just actually change and amplify your whole life as a whole. Well, Molly, it's been a real pleasure. I think we're definitely going to have to have you back for, for part two because there's so many areas we didn't get a chance to cover. I so, would love um, that. Yes, absolutely. Please, please do. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for sharing so much important information because I think it can make such a difference to so many people listening. Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I really uh, love what you're doing with your audience and you know what you're kind of standing for. And I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Thank you, Molly. Awesome. Thank you. Next week is episode 80 with Phil Jones, and he's an estate agent and trains estate agents. So we're going to find out about how they can exceed their clients' expectations. And as we all know, there's a lot of room to exceed expectations from estate agents. They don't always have the best of reputations. So we're going to find out from Phil how that can be changed. That's next week. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Please do share it with someone who you feel would really benefit from some of the issues discussed. Do leave us a review and please subscribe and hope you have a good week.